the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. Music provided by the 48th Islanders of Canada. Today's guest, Private Joshua Rigg, 48th Islanders of Canada, top candidate, EMQ Land, Toronto, 2014. I can't forget about our unit commanding officer, that's Lieutenant Colonel Pep. He would tell us to always have a sense of humor no matter what, but at the same time to be serious about it. He would give us a sense of pride to be the Highlander in the 48th. Welcome back to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. Before I start off with today's guest, I'd like to cover off two quick points. One of them I should have covered off on episode 30, the year one look back and review. If you go to the Facebook page, you'll see I posted recently a bunch of statistics regarding year one. Essentially, I posted the ranks that were covered off, the elements that were covered off, and clearly Army has taken the lead. We have 90% of the episodes were based on members of the Army and only 7 and 3% for the Royal Canadian Air Force and the Royal Canadian Navy, respectively. So that's something i got to work on. Good coverage of the ranks, though, and then a good coverage of the types of ranks. So we had 55% were officers, with 62% of those being commissioned from the ranks. 10% of those were sergeants, 7% junior ranks, and 28% were warrant officers. Going through the episodes and the guests, I've managed to cover off over 100 bases, ships, units, formations, and schools, and 19% of the guests reported they had served in the cadet program prior to joining the CF. I've got a good mix of representation from the regular force and the primary reserve, and it's pretty much split right down the middle three ways, with one-third being strictly regular force service, one-third being strictly primary reserve service, and then the other third being essentially a mix of both regular force and reserve service, depending on how they chose to lay out their career, whether they started in the reserves or started in the regular force and where they went from there. The second point of admin I want to look after is a place that I visited this summer. This summer I had the opportunity to visit the town of Cobalt, Ontario, and Cobalt, if you look on the map, is directly north of North Bay and directly south of a town called New Liskard in Ontario. And this town of Cobalt has a museum. It's called the Bunker Military Museum. And it's located in the basement of the Royal Canadian Legion in Cobalt, Ontario. One of the highlights of the bunker is that they have a functioning Bren gun carrier, or otherwise known as a universal carrier. So something so something W-2 Stan Edgerton would have driven around the battlefield in the Second World War, they have a functioning one. And for 20 bucks, you can get a ride on it. They'll take you around town, and they'll tell you a funny story about how they got license plates for it, and what type of classification they had to put on it. So anyhow, if you're ever traveling north of North Bay or south of New Liskard in Ontario, you have a chance to pull over to the town of Cobalt. Please take a moment and check out the Bunker Military Museum. Now in the last episode, I kind of teased that I would have the final portion of what I was looking for. I was looking for past, present, and eventually future. So I teased that I had a guest from the future. And that's kind of play on words. I admit it. I'm guilty. But nevertheless, we have a brand new private recruit, straight off recruit basic training. And he has the full future of his Canadian Forces Service in front of him. So right now, I would like to present the episode with Private Joshua Rigg of the 48th Highlanders of Canada. Private Rigg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a great honor to be here. 
Great. I'm glad to have a basic military qualification recruit on the show. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. So you and I first met at Fort York Armory during my ethics lesson to the basic military qualification course in November 2013. And if I recall, we started the lesson indoors, but we finished outdoors. Yes, sir. That is correct. I remember the fire alarm went off. Weeks prior to that, we were being taught how to do fire drills and fire evacuation from the building. And then it actually did happen. So we all had to run outside the classroom, get rifles, and meet up at a rendezvous point outside Fort York, which ended up being outside. And either way, it was a nice experience having all that happen. Yeah. And the building didn't burn down, though. Oh, definitely no, sir. (laughs) So we had some roofers, and I understand they were a concern before the fire alarm went off as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They did warn us that might possibly happen. Right. And then what I was fond of the fact was that we got to use Coronation Park as a little bit of an amphitheater. And when I was a basic military qualification instructor, I used to use Coronation Park all the time. It was it was one of my favorite places to teach from, and specifically the Battle of the Atlantic Memorial in Coronation Park. Definitely, definitely. It was a good experience. And it was good to get actually outside into the public, even in the city, get the public eye viewing us and seeing us how we learn as a unit. So, Private Rig, I sent you the questions in advance. Have you had a chance to review all the questions? Yes, I did, sir. Great. Are you all set? Yes, sir. What I'd like to know is why you chose to join the Canadian Armed Forces. Sir, I decided to join the Canadian Armed Forces for many reasons. Mainly, I decided to join the Army because, in the end, I wanted to serve and protect this great country, Canada. Being an experienced cadet, I was a Mass 1 officer at the 40 Pounders of Canada. My position was the DSM, Drill Sergeant Major. Right. Being an Army cadet, it made me adapt to the military lifestyle at a young age. We would have to do drills. We had to have our uniforms nicely pressed and neat and everything like that. We got to make connections as we moved up along the ranks, connecting with CIC officers and officers from the Army as well. Through that, being a cadet, we also got to interact with a regiment, and that regiment for mine was the 40th Highlanders, the actual Army regiment, and I got to see what they did on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes we'd go out with them on church parade, Remembrance Day, even some of the instructors would come down on our cadet field exercises, and we would get to see how they operate and whatnot. So that was very intriguing and good to see. Furthermore, the reason why I also enlisted into the forces was because I thought that was a smart career decision. For me, going and trying to become a police officer with the Toronto Police Service, I know that military experience is recognized, and it looks really good in your resume. So having military experience would be good for me, and I thought that it would give me a lot of tactical training and give me a lot of travel opportunities and the life experience that you basically need to become a cop. Right. Sitting in my chair, where I've had 14 years of service with the York Regional Police and have developed into the Brigade Sergeant Major for 32 Brigade, I can't disagree with anything you've said. I've traveled, and it did assist me with getting my job in the police department as well. I've also had the ability to apply to the use of force office based on experiences that I gained in the Canadian Armed Forces myself. Definitely. So, sounds like you're setting yourself up for some success. Thank you, sir. You joined in 2013, right? Yes, sir. October. Yes, I did, sir. Yeah, so by the time this episode airs, it's going to be about the time that you joined. So it's going to be fall of 2014. Yes, sir. So leading into the next question is kind of, you're going to be setting a timestamp into where we are right now. So what was the world like when you joined? So you can comment, what's the world like now? You're the only one who can comment on what the world is like right now. I would say from 2000 when I joined 
in October 2013. Trying to remember what was happening back then. I would say the world wasn't in too bad shape. Afghanistan was closing all the operations and whatnot. The Canadian forces itself, it was going in a steady direction. And then gearing now, as we speak, there is tension going overseas in Iraq and whatnot, and the U.S. is responding. And can't all obviously uh, forget about the, uh, the things that are happening in Ukraine right now overseas. For me to speak on that, I would say that uh, definitely it doesn't look good. And hopefully that the Canadian forces and the U.S. military can do something about that. That's why the U.S. has sent a fleet over to the Gulf of Iraq. If we're fast-forwarding to now, as we're seeing, as the episode will be airing in the fall of 2014, hopefully all that will be resolved. At the end of the day, our, our troops are coming home safely, sir. Absolutely. We also have some Canadian Forces warships moving in close to be able to respond to the crisis in the Ukraine if called upon. And that's essentially what we're waiting for. What does the country need us to do next? And making sure that when we are called upon, we are ready, despite the fact that we don't have a named mission at this time. Now, you touched on a little bit about being a Master Warrant Officer in the 48th Highlanders Cadet Corps. What else were you like when you joined? Pretty much when I joined the Canadian Forces, they told me to get rid of that Master Warrant Officer attitude. Being a cadet, going into the Canadian Armed Forces as a private. Touching base on that, that kind of hurt me, but at the same time didn't hurt me because I felt that when I joined the cadets and then moved up the chain receiving a mass one officer, that, I felt that was a part of me. And I felt that I had built a certain and typical character as a cadet. And then they just told me, oh, yeah, remove that and then go into the game forces and be a whole new private, not know anything. So going on that, I would say that definitely it was exciting, but definitely it was, I would say it was confusing right the reason why i say confusing was because i didn't know how to act properly going into the cf i would have to obviously experiment different attitudes and different ways of my personality going into the cf and interacting with a little bit older adults and senior ncms such as mass corporals and sergeants and stuff like that because again at the end of the day cadets and the Canadian forces are two different things so right definitely it was confusing but then after a while when i got into my bmq obviously i, I saw a standard of how to behave and how to interact with your troops and how to differently interact with your instructors and stuff like that so i did get used to it and i did try to adapt to my environment as best as possible well it seems like you were quite successful because you topped your course Definitely, sir. Yeah, <laughs> that was very exciting experience. But at the same time, it was uh, very unexpected and surprising as well. I didn't think that I was going to get the top candidate award, but it did happen. And I'm grateful for everything that did happen. So, yeah. Right. Well, we can't devalue all of your experience in the cadets because you do bring certain things such as dress and deportment, drill, the ability to follow orders and understand why it's important to execute the plan of somebody else. So those are things that you carried with you from the Cadet Corps into the Recruit Basic Training Course. Yes, sir. Now, back to your Recruit Basic Training Course, because that is the totality of your experience so far. Mm -hmm. What is your most memorable experience in the Canadian Armed Forces? I would say completing my basic military qualifications. And within that experience and that course, I would say definitely going out in the field and trying to survive. And that's pretty much it. It's very different in the cadets. It was, the standard was obviously higher because as a soldier, you have to be able to survive the different climates and different weather out there in the field. 
I remember when we were out on our field exercises that it would be one one minute it would be like minus 10 or minus 20, and then the next minute it would be a plus zero or plus five degrees. So you would really have to watch yourself and, and the layers that you had on. And besides climbing and everything, you would also have to sleep deprivation. That was a pretty big thing. We did get sleep, but it, it wasn't much. But the transition, obviously, from being a cadet and getting up, not whenever you want, but having a lot of sleep and being able to have a better shelter than a soldier was definitely a big impact. But uh, again, I tried to use my training that I learned as a cadet, but also in the CF, what they taught us before going into the field. And it was a, it was a, definitely a fun, but yet, memorable experience as well. Excellent. So with your basic military qualification course, who was your greatest influence or who's the most memorable character that you've encountered? I've encountered many individuals who I think that impacted me personally and there were a lot of people who influenced me a lot but in my eighth month military career I haven't found a certain individual that I can be the most memorable character or greatest influence. So to speak on that in my eyes, there are many individuals, especially from my course, my BMQ qualification course, and my unit 48 Highlanders. Masco Dunn from the Queen's York Rangers, he, on our course, he mainly taught that when we do things and we, when we operate in the field, he taught us the intensity. And what I mean about that, he taught us that make sure to always have a high intensity when we're doing things. So, for example, if we're trying to fill water in the jerry cans or if we're trying to set up a tent he always taught us to have a high intensity meaning that to do things fast and in a quick manner sergeant kinch from our bmq course the basic military qualification he is from the engineers he taught us of uh, us a variety of useful skills and knowledge and as well as tactical skills as well i remember he would always pull us off to the side on our breaks and even if we're not even doing anything he would always come over and say, hey, boys, listen up. One thing that I noticed when you guys were doing your drills is you guys could have done this better. Or you guys, he would show us different skills and different methods that experienced soldiers today might know. But that was definitely useful to us soldiers to actually have that knowledge and for him to tell us that. Another person that I also feel that is a memorable character especially from our BMQ course, is our course commanding officer, Captain Metbach. He's from Logistics. He taught us the importance of rules, regulations, and security. He basically would make us all sit down in the classroom. He would tell us the importance of paperwork and the protected A and protected B classwork and all that kind of good stuff. And in the end, it is very important, in my opinion. Lastly, I can't forget about our unit commanding officer, Lieutenant Colonel Best. He would always tell us to always have a sense of humor no matter what, but at the same time to be serious about it, to lead from below as a Highlander. He would always give us a sense of pride to be actually a Highlander in the 48th. So I feel that those people that I just listed are very memorable to me and are great influences to me. Without them, I don't think that I would have succeeded this far in winning top candidate on my BMQ course. Besides that, there are a lot of other people who I felt who are great influences and memorable characters, but if I had to say names, those are the people who I would choose, sir. Well, you'll be interested to know that Sergeant Kinch does listen to the show. He is a listener, and Captain Mechbach and your Master Corporal are both with the Queen's York Rangers, and we've had members of the Queen's York Rangers and the 48th Highlanders as guests on the show, including yourself, of course. (laughs) 
So great tie into the show. So not only listeners, but previous guests as well. Definitely. All right, we've come to the last question. What is the greatest challenge you had to overcome? I would say the greatest challenge that I had to overcome would be possibly, just thinking about it now, integrating myself into the unit in the 48 Highlanders. They knew me, the senior NCMs and the officers knew me as a previous master one officer cadet. But when you're coming into the regiment as a private, not a lot of people actually know you. And I felt that that was one of my greatest uh, challenges that I had to overcome. As a private going to the 48 Highlanders of Canada, yes, I might have knew a couple sergeants, a couple warrants, a couple officers that have seen me on my cadet time personally, but they haven't seen me perform as a soldier. And performing as a cadet and performing as a soldier are two different things, two completely separate areas. So going in, and I felt that I had to interact with younger troops, especially privates and corporals, and get them to know me. I felt that I had the responsibility to step up and say, oh, hey, my name is Private Rig, what is your name, Corporal, Master Corporal, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it may be. And I also felt that I had to create that camaraderie and brothership with my brothers and my platoon and my section as well, because I felt that they weren't going to come to me, so I had to come to them. Right. So in the end, I remember before coming on the podcast now, we had an exercise called Hide and Striker. Right. And basically, the exercise was we invited our employers to the exercise. They came and shot and repelled with us alongside our soldiers. As well, the U.S. Army did join us. And I remember being too nervous to actually attend previous exercises within the regiment. And the reason why I felt too nervous to come out and show my skills was because I felt that I was too undermined and I felt that I was too little of a private to go out and show my skills and interact with my brothers out in the field because I felt that I only had my BMQ qualification and I thought that wasn't enough. Another reason why I was too nervous to go out and interact with my brothers and operate in the field with them was because I felt that first impressions is always a big thing and having only BMQ skills wouldn't be enough and especially if they tasked me to do something that I didn't know properly, I thought that was going to be a problem. So that's why I was too nervous. But I had to overcome that and feel a sense of pride. And again, as the commanding officer, Lieutenant Colonel Best said, always lead from below, especially as a Highlander. I felt that I had to step up and be a man because if I didn't experience what I did, I wouldn't feel as comfortable as I am now today with my brothers and other fellow soldiers in the 48th. Right. Well, there's something else maybe you can confirm for me. I was under the impression, and this is old information, so maybe you can confirm it. I was under the impression that if you went from the cadets into the primary reserve, you got an incentive of early promotion to corporal once you were qualified. Mm -hmm. Is that still offered? I'm not too sure about that at the moment. I did talk to some senior personnel at the recruiting center and my uh, chief clerk, Sergeant Launder at the 48th, he told me that that possibly would have been a previous incentive back in the day, maybe a couple of years ago, 2008, 2009, and so forth. But I'm not too sure if it still continues in the CF today. I know that there is a big transition from cadets wanting to be obviously a cadet and then moving on to a private or some trade in the military of some sort. I'm still trying to inquire about that situation as we speak. I know that it's not only on the Canadian Forces side of the deal, but it's also a connection with the cadets. Right. Well, it's probably worth your while to be professionally curious about that. Definitely, sir. Definitely. (laughs) All right. Is there anything you'd like to say to summarize your episode? 
all I would say is, again, is a big thank you for all the listeners who are listening. And I feel that it's an honor to have my story put up, especially as a BMQ trained private. And on this website, there is a lot of other people who have tours in Iraq and Bosnia, Africa, and a lot of people who are more, I would say, more experienced than I am, especially in their military career. And especially to have my story, again, a BMQ private, to be put up on this website and to be put up on this podcast, I say this is a very, very great and big honor. Well, I'm glad to open that door for you. What's next for you? I'd say, well, this summer, what's next for me is this summer, definitely coming up July 1st is my trades course. So I will be doing my DP 1.1 and DP 1.2 from July 1st to August 15th. And then right after that, I don't get to go home just as yet for Meaford. <laughs> I have to attend the stalwart guardian exercise that we're interacting with the U.S. Army and the British troops are coming over to our land and we'll be operating in the Niagara region, the uh, County really, uh, down there. So that will be my summer. And then after that, I'm going to be, if we're talking about the, the long run, two to three years from now, or if you want to call that short run, it's personal preference. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Private. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, sir. It will be trying to get on my other course, my recce patrol course, comms course, stuff like that. Obviously trying to, again, work my way back up the chain as I did in cadets, going obviously trying to promote my, or trying to get myself to corporal and master corporal and stuff like that. Besides the military and my civilian life, I will be graduating from Humber College for my police foundation's diploma in April 2015 and then wanting to transfer to Ryerson for uh, criminology and see how that goes and then eventually five to ten years uh, trying to apply to Toronto Police. Right. So that's uh, what I'll be doing in the next couple of years. Sir. Excellent. And just so there's no mistaking, so you said your DP 1.1 yes, is your development period is what DP stands for, but what trade is that? I am in the infantry, so that will be an infantry trade course. I believe it is only an infantry trade course, so only infantry guys will be on my course at that time. Other people from different units, such as the Royal Regiment of Canada, Toronto Scottish, Lincoln and Wellens, and oh, I can't forget for Queen's Own. I remember on my BMQ course where I saw multiple trades where I had artillery, guys from intelligence, guys from all different trades. So as you can see, moving on to the CF, it, it does definitely, when you move on in your experience and your career, it does definitely, you attend courses that are more fit for your trade and you also get a lot more training from your unit rather than the whole battle school or the whole area itself. Well, Private Rig, we've come to the end of the show. Thanks for sharing your experiences on your basic military qualification course. I wish all the best to you for your summer training this summer in Meaford on your infantry course. Thank you, sir. Hopefully, we'll cross paths at Exercise Stalwart Guardian in Niagara. Definitely. And by the time this episode airs in September of 2014, you should be a qualified private wearing some rank and hopefully continuing on with those courses that you just named off. Definitely. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at mikelacroixcmhp at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage. The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History Podcast website and click on my Amazon link. 
small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. End tag music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History Podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike Lacroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defence. This is a Mike Lacroix Production.